Will he, mother? I was excited, important at knowing so much, thinking of the wedding feast. Will he marry Caridwen, now that my uncle David— What? The shuttle stopped, and she swung round, startled. But what she saw in my face appeased her, for the anger went out of her voice, though she still frowned, and I heard Moravik clucking and fussing behind me. Where in the world did you get that? You hear too much, whether you understand it or not. Forget such matters, and hold your tongue. The shuttle moved again, slowly. Listen to me, Merlin. When they come to see you, you will do well to keep quiet. Do you understand me? Yes, mother. I understood very well. I was well accustomed to keeping out of the king's way. But will they come to see me? Why me? She said, with a thin bitterness that made her look all at once older, almost as old as Moravik. Why do you think? The loom clacked again, fiercely. She was feeding in the green thread, and I could see that she was making a mistake, but it looked pretty, so I said nothing, watching her and staying close, till at length the curtain at the doorway was pushed aside and the two men came in. They seemed to fill the room, the red head and the grey within a foot of the beams. My grandfather wore blue periwinkle colour with a gold border. Kamlach was in black. Later I was to discover that he always wore black. He had jewels on his hands and at his shoulder, and beside his father he looked lightly built and young, but as sharp and whippy as a fox. My mother stood up. She was wearing a house robe of dark brown, the colour of peat, and against it her hair shone like corn silk. But neither of the two men glanced at her. You would have thought there was no one in the room but I, small as I was, by the loom. My grandfather jerked his head and said one word, Out! And the women hurried in a rustling, silent group from the chamber. Moravik stood her ground puffed up with bravery like a partridge, but the fierce blue eyes flicked to her for a second, and she went. A sniff as she passed them was all that she dared. The eyes came back to me. "'Your sister's bastard,' said the king. "'There he is, six years old this month, grown like a weed, and no more like any of us than a damned devil's whelp would be. Look at him!' black hair, black eyes, and as scared of cold iron as a changeling from the hollow hills. You tell me the devil himself got that one, and I'll believe you. My uncle said only one word, straight to her. Whose? You think we didn't ask, you fool, said my grandfather. She was whipped till the women said she'd miscarry, but never a word from her. Better if she had, perhaps— some nonsense they were talking, old wives' tales of devils coming in the dark to lie with young maids, and from the look of him they could be right. Kamlach, six foot and golden, looked down at me. His eyes were blue, clear as my mother's, and his colour was high. The mud had drained yellow on his soft doeskin boots, and a smell of sweat and horses came from him. He had come to look at me before even taking the dirt of travel off. I remember how he stared down at me, 
while my mother stood silent, and my grandfather glowered under his brows, his breath coming harsh and rapid, as it always did when he had put himself in a passion. Come here, said my uncle. I took half a dozen steps forward. I did not dare go nearer. I stopped. From three paces away he seemed taller than ever. He towered over me to the ceiling beams. What's your name? Marvin Emrys. Emrys? Child of light, belonging to the gods? That hardly seems the name for a demon's whelp. The mildness of his tone encouraged me. They call me Merlinus, I ventured. It's a Roman name for a falcon, the Corwalch. My grandfather barked, Falcon, and made a sound of contempt, shooting his arm rings till they jingled. A small one.